Joy is beyond I had a good day or I had a bad day. Joy is this tragic loss, but deep within me, I have a hope for a future that nothing can take away. That's joy. Like it's weird. Joy's weird to this world. You know? I mean, like this world wants to treat joy with psych meds. Oh, you believe in an unseen, you know, force in the sky that's making you happy? We need to damper that. We need to tamper that down a little bit. Here, take these pills so you can be sad like the rest of us. <laughs> I'm not against taking pills. You know, that's not my point. But what's your dependency? On peace? You know, we need stuff. I get it. You need stuff. But there's a peace that abides. And it abides deep within because the spirit of the living God dwells within you. The creator of everything desires relationship with you. That's the reason you're breathing air. It's the reason you are alive. It's because God wanted you. You are adopted into his family. You're not just given birth to. You're adopted. God did his research and said that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. I want that one. And, you know, he did that for everybody. He chose everybody. But it's up to us to respond and receive that. Amen. Amen. So I was thinking about this judgment thing. And, and, and yes, judgment is. So I, I boiled down to this for me. There's two sources of pain. One is loss and one is offense, at least in context of where we're going over the next few weeks. Suffering uh, from loss, pain from loss, it's just what's happening in this world. It's just going to be that way until God wraps it up and sets it back to perfection. Now, that's where us understanding, being able to put off the old world and put on our new identity in Christ in our minds and in our hearts and in our experience where we live from that, that is the solution to the pain of loss. But the solution to the pain of offense, it's, it's very similar in that you first affirm your identity in Christ so that you can see that person in a different light. Like you're not looking through your pain to see that person. You might actually realize that that person has their own pain that I might can be able to, if I can set my offense aside that I have with this person, with this people group, with this party, with whatever, whatever it is that we're offended about. I mean, just turn on the news and there's lots of things to be offended about. Not to mention stuff that happens in your own family. I can see the wheels. I know it's like there's a lot happening here. The wheels are turning. So there's the pain. There's, there's the pain of loss and the pain of offense. And I wanted to look at judgment in this light. Yes, it does mean to assume why. Judgment. And we're dealing with the judgments that we live within. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about judgment of ourselves, judgment of the people around us, and judgment toward God, the judgments that we place on God, and the things that happen in our life that we, that we attribute to God. And then we say, well, God did that because of this. I mean, that's denominationalism. 
Like, you count up how many denominations there are in the body of Christ, that's how many different judgments toward God the humans have made toward Him. Each judgment, own denomination. But this idea of judgment, where I saw it this week was judging other people for their behavior, not recognizing the pain and the judgment that they may be walking in. Judgment, if you missed the seminar, I really encourage you go back and listen to last Sunday when Jim was here. Just really, really good. Judgment is simply this. When something happens to you and you assume to know why that person did what they did. It's not a judgment to observe what they did, but to assume why they did it is the judgment. Now, when you get that book, How to Stop the Pain, and you begin to read it, you realize what a judgmental twit you are. <laughs> Me too. Because what happens is you realize, oh my goodness, I judge people all the time. I'm always trying to figure out why they did what they did. I relate to people based on what I think they're thinking. I mean, a lot of us live in the place where, you know, it's like we're trying to figure out what I think they think I think. Are, are you with me? Did you follow that? It's not just what I think about them. It's also what I think they're thinking that I'm thinking. I wonder what they're thinking. I'm thinking. <laughs> you do it. You do it. We all do it. You may, it may not be that cycle with everybody, but we are associating they did this because of this. Now, it's terrible when it's an abusive situation because it, 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 if you're young and you faced an abusive situation, you might adopt a, a, a belief about yourself because of the judgment that you placed on that. It's horrific that that abuse happened, that trauma happened. But then you attach significance to it, and it starts to define who you are because you see yourself through that abuse, and you see yourself through that trauma, and you might even make the judgment, they did that because I'm worthless. And then you feel worthless the rest of your life. Or they did that because I'm a sex object, and then you struggle with sexual issues your entire life, or how it makes you feel, right? All of that stuff as we're going over the next few weeks. But, the, but today I just really felt like when we look at the world around us, we judge where they are based on where we are. You know, I, I asked God to give me these eyes a few different times, and that is that when I see people, you know, not necessarily a word of knowledge, but, but if I get to know them, if, I, if I'm talking to them, or even just people in public, I, I want to see them as a human like, they've got their own world like I've got my own world. The people walking past you every day have their own world. Like, they're going to go home and deal with what they got to deal with. And if, they, if something happens and we make a judgment, it's like we're cutting them off from being in our human circle and not living with people. Does that make sense? So judgment from the perspective of, I, I'm not, I don't even connect with you as a human, even, especially, I mean, we're this is relatively, it's a small church. You look around, we don't all know each other, but we don't go home with each other. You know, we have different people connect with different people. Even in a place like this, there's still disconnection and still, you know, not everybody's friends and we're growing. And so it's not, you, you're not going to know everybody that's here. And that's okay. That's fine. But we forget sometimes that that person has a life. That person has their own pain and struggle. That, if, if I can allow myself 
to experience God, I might be a testimony. Not me running out and getting people healed, although I want to do that, but me personally experiencing the transformative power and grace and love of God in my life so that I am confident in who Jesus is. I want that to be what I display to the world as a testimony because they might remember, I don't really like that Clint guy, but there's something about him, the way that he trusts God, that gives me hope that I can trust God. You know what I mean? That's what I want for us and the way that we judge people. So let's just look at the mindset of Jesus here in, um, in Luke. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Next verse. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. So you see here, he's not talking about if you judge someone, God will judge you. He's talking about others judging you. In other words, placing significance, attaching, attaching significance to their pain, or, or even not, you know, the judgment that I'm thinking about this week is just not looking at the world around us as people who have lives too. And maybe in a, the blink of an eye, God might inspire me to just be a source of blessing to this person, you know. Um, in the same way we judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you meet, it's measured to you. And let's go to um, Luke. There's more insight into the same idea. Do, the, uh, do to others as you would have them do to you. I mean, you know, what if we just lived by that? And I, w I want you to think about that. Think about if you're hurting one day, wouldn't you want someone that knows God to respond to him by blessing you? Like, if you are hurting one day, and Christians that you know have the Spirit of God within them, wouldn't you want them to respond to God when He taps on their heart and says, Hey, send copia text today. Wouldn't you want Him to do that for you? I think we rob a lot of the connection that can be built in the body of Christ because we don't act when God inspires us. Wouldn't you want people to act when God moves on them to be a blessing to you? You do it as well. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Now, there's wisdom. Still, you don't abandon wisdom. Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. I mean, you don't hear that on the evening news. I mean, Obama, I'll call that boy out. He said, I don't think uh, you, America could, U.S. policy could survive the Sermon on the Mount, something like that. It's just weird. Anyway, lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. He's the friend of sinners, kind to the ungrateful. Think about that. God is kind to the uh, you, the ungrateful. <laughs> Can you handle that? We're all ungrateful at some point. You know, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just saying. You, you get a picture when it says God's kind to the ungrateful. You're thinking of somebody else. You old ungrateful thing. I tell you what, they, 
oh wait, I'm ungrateful sometimes. He's kind to me. Next verse. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do you, do you feel like that people judge you? wonder where that comes from. Like, like if you're not judging, you won't even be aware that they're judging you. It's the con game, you know. You can't, spot a, you can't get conned unless you're trying to con. Anyway, do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Talking about other people. Next verse. Give, and it will be given to you, not just in equal proportion, but the measure you meet. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, or with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You plant a seed, you get a harvest. Have you ever just cracked a joke towards someone and it was slightly offensive and they just blow up and you're like, whoa! Anyone? Just me? Is that just me? Lyle, maybe you never, you never done that? It's like, you know, it's like, uh, I could, you say this, and it's like, we're, we, I can say this, and then boom. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men keep back into your bosom criticism. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men keep unto your bosom judgment. There's a, there's a lot of responsibility in this. The idea of taking care of each other, but also taking responsibility for the seeds that you are sowing. See, because here's what happens. We sow discord all over, and we use the fruit that we reap back as justification to shut ourselves off and judge those people. It's a vicious, dirty cycle, and we are the originator of it. Most times in our lives. Now, I get it. Unjust things happen. And again, we're talking about, remember, there's, there's the pain of loss, which it's just, that's just not the way God wants it. And, but there's the pain of offense. Man, I'm telling you, and, and it's one of the reasons why uh, church attendance collectively is on the decline. People are getting sick of judged by the church. Why would they go there? All the criticism and condemnation and guilt and shame. I mean, it's like you got to be an Olympic athlete to jump through all the hoops to be accepted in some churches. Amen. And I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about the body of Christ at large. I'm not, I don't suggest that we water down the standards of Christ or the expectation of transformation, but we're not attracting people with the goodness of God. I mean, far too often, it's like we feel like our job is to convince them of how bad they are before we can give them the good news. It's, that's, that's just not good marketing. <laughs> Where that came from, this is a... You know what I mean? It's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. You are not in a position to be good to people if you're constantly judging them. And, and where do we judge people? We judge them for what they drive. You know, let's just break it down and get practical. 
We're in the grocery store. You're sizing people up. We do it. We don't even know that we're doing it. You know, if you feel like the Holy Spirit moves on you to give that person $20, you instantly look at them and you determine... Well, look at their car. They got a nice car. They don't need $20. Look at their car. They got a really bad car. They probably do need $20. Boom. You make it. Just follow God. Well, I think that one's going to use it on alcohol. I don't know if I want to give it to that person. That's you, God. <laughs> you know, I really just want to leave us with this simple idea. Within this body, within your families, within your friends, Take care of each other. Decide you're going to change what the garden of your life looks like because you are going to take responsibility for what you are sowing. You cannot base what you're going to sow on their response. And it's not a manipulation tool. Well, let's see, I need my husband to do this. So I'm going to start sowing the seeds of this so he'll do that. No. You don't get to do that. You sow love, and then you reap back what that love looks like displayed through that person, and you're thankful for it. Amen? You, you don't get to define how that person's going to grow for you. Your kids, I mean, you know, you have expectations for your kids. I do. But in general, if you want the cycles that are bringing you pain in your life to end, you hold the key. You hold the seeds. And it's up to you of what you're going to start sowing. And you might have every reason to have excuses to not do it. You'll get the same thing back. If you want your life to be different, sow different seeds, specifically with people. And now I don't mean be a codependent doormat where you put yourself out to be abused. You know, some people don't have know where boundaries are. That doesn't mean that you just jump out there, throw wisdom to the wind, and you just do things for people, and it's like, I'm just going to love, 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 you know. Well, you might, get, you might be doing things for people that they should be doing for themselves. I mean, that's a boundary. Don't do for other people what they can and should do for themselves. Amen? I mean, you might need to sow boundaries in some of your relationships. People that need to sow boundaries are the people that ask, what are the boundaries? I've had those conversations with some of you. You start talking boundaries, and the questions are, well, what are the boundaries? <sighs> I really don't mean that to be demeaning. I'm just saying, you know, it, 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 we, 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 because we do, we, genuine, we genuinely care for people, but you can't do for others what they should do for themselves, even at the risk of them losing everything, including their life. Because of your fear, you're going to cross that boundary and try to live their life for them. You can't do that. So we hold boundaries, walk in wisdom, but take responsibility for what you're sowing. I mean, that, that, that's really where we're going over the next few weeks is we're looking at this idea of seed sowing into our own hearts, into our own minds, into our own lives, into our own relationship with God, into our, ourselves first and then into others, our the people that we love, the people that we do life with. And if God is calling you into this, the people that are strangers as well. You know, I personally believe that if Christians just kind of make sure that they loved on one another, that they know and 
all Christians did that, all Christians would be taken care of. And then all Christians would be a display to the people who don't, haven't said yes to him of what it looks like for us to be Jesus followers to actually do what he said. Love God with all your heart, strength, and soul. Do unto others as you'd have them do to you. And it's an interesting thing because that gives you confidence. So, I, you know, we'll get practical in our life groups, um, talk about these things, talk about what does it look like for you, where, you know, identify a spot where you want to change. And I don't mean you're going to get better at managing this sin. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'll address that. Stop sinning. Okay, let's move on. So it's talking about, I mean, it's really not that hard, right? It's killing you. Hardening your heart, stop it. There's grace for it. Amen? What we're talking about is sowing, what you're sowing into your life. Look, now, if you don't know who you are in Christ and you look at the condition of your life and you begin to take responsibility for where you are and what you need to do to reap a different harvest, you'll go crazy if you don't know who you are in Christ. You must be rooted and grounded in that, in who, in who he is in you and who you are in him. That's why we spend so much time on it in this place because you're going to go out there and you're going to face things and you're going to remember, oh, at least God loves me. I've been forgiven in him. I've made a huge mess over here. But with, but with, and it's not that God ignores the mess, but you just recognize there's an atonement. There is an unjust, uh, not an unjust, an unfair sacrifice that has been given for me, that I, Jesus, that I can rest within the peace that that brings, and I, and I can hold on to that. Now let me deal with this. Amen? So it's where we are. I would even ask you in this moment, identify an area in your life that you want to see change, not necessarily your behavior, but just something that's just, just, just kind of always, I just kind of always get this back from people. Or, you know, just, are you with me? This will be your homework. Identify that area in your life groups. If you want to be honest and talk about it, that'd be great. You don't have to, but uh, you opening up in your process will help other people as well watching you be transparent, and they'll say, oh, I deal with that too, you know. And, and we're not talking about just, we're not talking about psychology. What we're ultimately talking about is being disciples that follow our Lord. And we're submitting to a process of maturity where we experience transformation, freedom within the salvation that he's given us, and we live well within that freedom, and we show people this is what God can do in your life. And I'm going to show you because I'm going to change my life. I mean, some of y'all are angels and you're struggling. I don't have, my life's perfect. Praise God. <laughs> Most of us are not. Amen? Amen. Are you, have you already thought of an area? And I, what I want you to do, I want you to write it out. And we'll put this in an email. We'll send it out this week. I want you to identify an area where you are, where you are consciously and intentionally going to sow new seed, and inspiration will come, I promise you. Inspiration will come. When you decide, I'm going to do it, I want this area to change, God will say, here's how you do it. Write it down, put it into practice. Even if it's the simplest thing that you think is ridiculous, do it. The, the most profound steps of inspiration that you can take are the simplest things. 
you just don't even recognize. You just don't, you disqualify the step because it just seems like you judge it. Well, that doesn't, it's not going to do anything. It will. Because it'll teach your heart to begin to follow God. Not begin, but, you know, follow in that area. Are you with me? Is this something that you want to do? Or, you know, you could, we could just play church and, you know, <laughs> sing some songs. and Or we could engage in a process Amen. that is a deep transformative process rooted in joy that shows the world, man, God is real Amen. in a real way. I want, our, I want your faith to be effective for you because other people are watching you and need God. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you. We just thank you for peace. Thank you that you are leading us toward life, and we can trust you. Just tell him, I trust you, Lord. I'm willing to engage in this transformative process to set aside my offense, to sow new seed, and I will act on the wisdom that you give me. Amen? And I'll tell you one area that is...